In the last week or so, I've heard people mention that they've been reminiscing um, about Advent celebrations in some of their previous lives and other congregations. Um, The Southern Baptist Church that I grew up in, as best I know, had no Advent uh, rituals or celebrations because I don't remember hearing the word until after I was much older, Advent. And so the meaning was lost on me until I got older. And the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And the most obvious correlation with that is the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. But also the Advent season, um, as I am given to understand, is twofold in that it looks back to the history of anticipation, the Hebrew people um, beginning to wait for a Messiah and forward to Christian people waiting for the second coming of Christ. And we live in the times between. But the Christian celebration of God breaking into history is accompanied with the, with the spirit of expectation, anticipation, preparation, and longing. I think it sounds hopeful, and, and some of the things that go with it are, of course, beautiful celebrations. Everything is awaiting completion, or at least new beginnings and births, right? There are certainly other things that come to mind with this time of year. As the season of anticipation swirls around us, we can bump up against um, some pretty insurmountable limitations. Time gets away. There are financial limits. The inability to read someone's mind and know what they really want as a gift, restrictions that are created by traffic, the accessibility that is limited because of it, on and on. But as I thought about it, I realized that very generally speaking, Quite likely, the most consistent foil in our lives is limitation, right? The perpetual frustrator is pretty well, in any circumstance, what stop makes us stop, or what doesn't allow us to go beyond. Over and over again, we're restricted. Physical abilities set against our limits. 
you know, our, our abilities set against what we can't do, how far we can see, how far we can't see, how far we can run or not, how long we can go without sleep or water, intellectual capacity set against what it is possible to know. We're reminded like the Hebrew Testament verse that they use in the Da Vinci Code from Job 31.11, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. One of the things I most appreciated about Taoism when I first encountered it as a teenager was that it threw the boxes away at the door. The translation that I first had began with words one should know where to stop. The Tao that can be named is not the Tao. And I remember as a much younger child than that, looking at the sky and wondering where it stopped. And then what was past that? And that kind of led to, well, if God made me, then who made God? And who made who made God? You know, that that thing you can't get out of when our minds try to grapple with infinity. We, we can get the idea of it, but we can't really comprehend it. People have been discussing the limits of the human brain for centuries. Um, Chillingworth, John Locke, and more recently, a, a preeminent astrophysicist and cosmologist who was the president of the uh, Royal Society, Lord Rees suggested that we may not be able to reconcile the forces that govern the behavior of the cosmos with those that rule the micro-world of atoms and particles because we may have reached the limits of our understanding or, or of our brains to understand. He said, just as a fish may be barely aware of the medium in which it lives and swims, so the microstructure of empty space could be far too complex for unaided human brains. He also added some aspects of reality, a unified theory of physics or a full understanding of consciousness, might elude us simply because they're beyond human brains. Just as surely as Einstein's ideas would baffle a chimpanzee.
If you were to come out with a primal scream, what would you physically do? I mean, besides make a lot of noise. Don't you kind of throw your head back and look up a little bit? And when we're in pain, we either close up or, or reach out again. When we're joyful, we reach out and we look up sometimes. We celebrate. There's something about that upward and outward movement that resonates with our deepest, strongest feelings. I think it's a motion away from the limitations of the ground, of bodies, a motion reaching out to something that from our perception is without end. And it's automatic. I think there is something within us that resonates with that which is greater. Deep calls to deep. There is something within us that recognizes itself to exceed the packaging. When we close our eyes to pray or meditate or even to sleep, the sense of some of the walls that are a part of our lives diminishes. The skin wrapper that we live in vanishes from part of our awareness somewhat and and we feel constrained only by the boundaries of our minds. I think that believing that all of existence, not only the dimensions that we can remotely fathom, but all others as well, can be re- thinking that it can be reduced to something we can completely and adequately comprehend is not reasonable. And it's all of those experiences that we can't easily fit into boxes that go to serve as signposts. I know that there are a lot of things that can be explained with chemistry and biology and and how we're made. But the how of life and the what then of life are still beyond us. Striving against doors of possibility that we may have closed isn't, I think, essential to our open-mindedness. And as continuing to learn from, from new discoveries and new information, we can't lock ourselves 
into any of our assumptions about existential sort of things, I don't think. A well-seasoned Unitarian Universalist minister from Columbus, Ohio, named Mark Bellatini, wrote, For for religion to be significant, it has to provide more than the comforts of community. It also has to provide opportunities for deepening and what I would call spiritual growth and for the casting down of false images of stereotypes which hurts all of us. A good religion has to open us to the real diversity of the modern world. For our work as liberal religious people is not to be competitive with others and to find ways to supersede others, but rather to find ways to supersede ourselves, to grow beyond our limitations and our constrictive boundaries, each and every one of us. Diversity, you see must not end up being some sort of feel-good slogan, a word we keep in our back pocket to make us feel like we're broad-minded. Diversity is a gift. But it cannot be a gift unless it is received. It is only received when there are hands and hearts open enough to receive it. And the opening of fists into welcoming hands and welcoming hearts is our spiritual work. We look up because we know there's more. We look up because we know that we cannot know it all. Even though sometimes we get a real sense of it. We look up just like we look within because we are each part and parcel of the wonder that permeates this universe and whatever lies beyond that.